Welcome to the SMA News Today podcast, episode 58. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. And today I'm joined by several members of our SMA News Today team. Uh, first up, we have my co-host, Michael Morale. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? Doing great, Kevin. How about you? Doing great. I'm excited for this one. Uh, and I'll talk about it in just a sec. And also we have back on the show, Deanne Rungi, our forums moderator and vlogger. Deanne, how are you today? Hi, doing great. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And last but not least, we have Alyssa Silva, who, if you have not read her latest column, I highly encourage you to do so because you'll get a kick out of it. Um, so Alyssa, columnist and forums moderator, also back on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Absolutely. So today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I know listeners out there are probably tired of hearing about COVID-19. But rest assured, this isn't really necessarily specifically focused on the virus itself. Uh, what we're doing in this episode is going to be talking about, A, how we're managing medical appointments and physical therapy and all of that in, during this time. And then in the second part, we're going to talk about Spinraza. Um, out of the people we have on this episode, um, I'm the only one who has not had an injection yet uh, during, since quarantine started. Mine will actually be a day after this episode goes out. So mine's coming up, but Michael, Deanne, and Alyssa have all had theirs recently. So I just kind of wanted to have a conversation about that and kind of like what procedures are being taken in order to get your injection um, done safely in a time like this. And so I think it'll be a really great conversation. And um, so without further ado, uh, as I said, I'm going to start this um, chat by talking about things like telemedicine, and physical therapy. So, Michael, why don't we start with you? First off, uh, I know you've been still going to physical therapy um, even since quarantine started, um, whereas, like, I've held off on my appointments for now because they're not seeing high-risk patients in the pool I go to. So um, can you just talk a little bit about this and specifically what's changed for you at your appointments since, you know, the quarantine uh, started and lockdown orders started? Well, from a physical therapy standpoint, none of my appointments have changed. Um, my physical therapy outpatient clinic was deemed necessary or medically necessary. So they were still open. Uh, they've taken precautions as far as wearing masks, uh, doing a lot more cleaning before patients come in. Uh, and then after they leave, they take everybody's temperature they go through like a little checklist before they start, make sure that you haven't been around anybody that's been infected with the COVID-19 virus. So just more precautionary measures. Uh, regarding my physical therapy itself, nothing really has changed. I still do the same workouts uh, every week. You know, one week we do core strengthening and then one week we do range of motion and flexibility. So nothing has changed for me. Um, I think the, the only thing that they did as a precaution for me was my physical therapists go to lunch between 12 and 1. So there's nobody in the clinic at that time. And then I'm scheduled to be there from 1 to like 2, 2.15. So they don't schedule anybody in that time slot. So I'm the only one there. And if there is another patient there, they're on the other side of the clinic. So they are keeping me isolated away from everybody else 
just because having SMA, we, we tend to be a little bit more compromised uh, with regards to our immune system. So, you know, they, they've definitely taken some precautionary steps to keep me safe, but my physical therapy really hasn't changed. Sure. And that's great. You're still able to, um, to go and um, I'm glad they're able to make those accommodations. So that's great. And um, Michael, on that note as well, I know right before we started um, recording, you mentioned that you did have your first telemedicine appointment. So can you talk just a little bit about that? And was this just a regular checkup or was it with a specialist? Yeah, usually I go see my internist uh, once a year, sometimes twice a year, depending on how I'm feeling. But uh, usually around the March to April time frame, I go in and she just does her yearly physical, you know, blood work, all that kind of stuff. So um, instead of going in, uh, we decided to do the telemedicine and it was good. Um, it's, it's definitely different, you know, mm-hmm. not actually seeing her. We were going to try to do a video, but her camera on her laptop wasn't working. So it was just audio, but it was fine. She asked me all the questions that she normally asks. She gave me time to, you know, explain what I needed, if I needed any prescriptions or if I needed anything from her. And so, um, it, it was basically like being there. Just, I just wasn't there. Sure. Sure. And do you think, uh, you know, there's conversations now in just in rare disease communities in general about how telemedicine could become the new normal, you know, and do you find that beneficial, um, especially cause it, saves the hassle of traveling and for appointments like that that are feasible to do. Um, do you think it would be beneficial to make that uh, more normalized? Yes, I do. Uh, and I think that that will be what a lot of these doctors are going to do just because they can actually see more patients if they do it, you know, over the uh, telemed system, you know, and it's all going to be specific to what the patient needs. You know, if I need shots or if I need any kind of uh, immunizations or or blood work or anything like that, that kind of throws a kink in the whole telemedicine plan. But if it's just a general question and answer type uh, situation, I do see that telemedicine will not only have its benefits, but it may, and I really hate using the word new normal, but that may be exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. It'll be really interesting to see in the coming months and um, and even over the course of the next year, especially. So, um, well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. And Deanne, um, for you, have aside from Spinraza, have you had any medical appointments since the whole COVID lockdown started? Um, any telemedicine or just any thoughts on that? I've actually had two telemedicine appointments, one with my primary physician and then one with my case caseworker, county manager. Uh-huh. Um, they both went great. I when I do lab work for Spinraza, my primary physician always adds labs to it so I can get it all done at once. So then my telemedicine appointment was to go over the lab work, and then I'm also in the process of getting a service dog. And there's medical forms the doctor needs to fill out, and I needed to have a face-to-face visit with him for that. So um, we combined that appointment to a telemedicine uh, appointment, and it worked out really well. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think especially for ones like that where 
it's literally just talking and you know it saves a lot of time commuting and all that so i that, that's great you're able to do that um that's and awesome i've never been i've never been one to go to the clinic if for just small reasons sure um and at least this way to because of exposure i don't like doing that so this was a great way to do that yeah that's great that's awesome and um Alyssa, same question to you. Well, I know you you mentioned your column you just had uh, for telemedicine. So can, you, can you talk about that? And um, was that with a regular doctor or a specialist? Yeah, it was with a specialist. Um, I've been having some GI issues, and I wanted to speak to my doctor to see if there was something that we could do to make me feel better, but... I obviously didn't want to expose myself to a hospital. Um, so, yeah, it worked out really well. I I do hope that telemedicine is here to stay, at least for... Obviously, I understand that people might need to get tests and things like that, but if it's just a follow-up or to describe symptoms, something of that nature... I think it actually would be really beneficial. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, and you just think about not only commuting, but all the time we spend in waiting rooms and, you know, it, it, it would be really beneficial, I think, to both parties, both um, the patients and medical professionals, if this were to become more normalized. So, um, yeah, that's great. And just on my end, uh, so I have not had any medical appointments really since all this started, I had a um, I had a specialist appointment literally a few days before I went um, on lockdown mode, and I'm glad I was able to do that before because it was with um, just some digestive issues I'd been having and was able to get that resolved. But um, that was but my physical therapy. I so I, anyone who reads my column or anyone knows that I do aquatic therapy, and they um, they've kept the pool somewhat open since all this started, but only for uh, really essential patients. They're not seeing high risk ones like me yet. And, um, and I'm okay with that because as much as I miss it, um, I do want to be safe in that area. And so, um, so I'm scheduled to go back in June right now. Um, and we'll kind of follow up from there. And I actually, this week, um, I, when I went to do my lab work for, um, uh, my next Spinraza injection, uh, that was my first actually like out of the house medical appointment since all this started. And um, I saw my PTs there and they said that they're um, having everyone wear masks in the pool and they're keeping a very limited capacity. So it'll be interesting when I do get back into that, how that, all that goes. Um, but and also I did want to mention, too, the only um, sort of virtual one I've done so far is um, every about every 60 days, I think um, the agency I use for my caregiver, um, they have to do regular check ins with me and they usually come to my house and just, you know, ask some basic questions and fill up for work and um, they take my temperature. They've been able to do, do those over the phone now, which is really nice because honestly, those are more of a hassle to schedule and they don't really, there's not really much that needs to be done in person. It's very easy to do over the phone. So that's one thing I would really, I would, am kind of hoping also will be normalized um, and just can be done over the phone from here on. I think that would be really beneficial as well. So um, well, thanks everyone for sharing on that. And um, so that leads to the 
Oh, oh guys, sorry, Alyssa. Yeah, or, or Dan. I was gonna mention, like, that's the one thing I'm struggling with is my occupational therapy. Yeah, yeah. I usually take a break over winter be, during cold and flu season, and because it's so cold here where I live. And I would just have started resuming that in April. However, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just, that's what I'm struggling with is trying to decide when is the right time to do that. Um, I have had email contact with my occupational therapist, but I haven't made an appointment to see him in person yet. Yeah. And so that's kind of. Um, what what I am struggling with is to know when when it's safe to do that. No, that's a really great point. And honestly, it is a tough decision. And um, you know, I think by visiting the clinic there on Wednesday when I get to my get when to get my labs done, it may it put me a little more at ease just because it was pretty much a ghost town there. And normally, you know, there's quite a few patients and like the waiting room in the main clinic was empty. The PT side really only had like um, it seemed like a couple patients there and, you know, both my PTs did not have any appointments at that time. So the limited capacity does help, but I totally understand it is, you know, and it's something to be, um, cognizant about. And you, I think your occupational therapist probably knows you the best and will be able to like give you advice on when it is safe to go back, but it is a tough decision for sure. And, you know, I mean, I think clinics and hospitals are taking as many precautions as they can. But ultimately, it is it is a risk going in. Um, and so it's really tough. But because it's like you don't want to go too long without it because it is really helpful. And especially for like all the Spinraza um, evaluations and all that, you know, um, but but it is a risk. So it's yeah, it's really something that I think we're going to be talking about for a while, you know. Definitely. And, yeah. So that I know. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, well, and I think that's a nice segue into, um, the next part of this episode, which is we're going to talk about our Spinraza injections. So as I mentioned earlier, um, yeah, mine is next week at the time of this recording, it'll be a day after, um, this episode goes live, but, uh, Michael, Alyssa and Deanne have all had theirs, um, and at different point in times since, um, the whole quarantine started. So Michael, we'll start with you since you had yours, like, I think even it was like right before quarantine sort of officially started um, and all the stay at home orders went out. So can you just talk about I imagine it wasn't really too different from previous ones. But were there any even at that time in early March, were there any precautions the hospital was taking um, when you had your procedure? You know, Kevin, I was actually quite surprised because when I went in for my procedure back in March, I was expecting to see more precautionary measures being taken. Now, of course, the whole COVID-19 issue wasn't as big as it is now, but I was expecting doctors to be gowned up as if they were in surgery. But when I went there, everybody was dressed normally. Uh, I know that when I went in for my procedure, when they took me back to the fluoroscopy suite, uh, of course, everybody was gowned up and masked up at that point because it is considered a surgical procedure. And it is, I guess, what they consider a clean room. But besides that, everything else was normal. The phlebotomist, when they came in to draw my blood, uh, he wasn't wearing a mask. He had on gloves, but that's normal operating procedures. So I really didn't see any major changes 
uh, with regards to the precautions that they were taking. Now, I know that, you know, when I go back in for my next procedure in July, I'll probably see a little bit more precautions being taken. But as of my procedure in March, everything was normal. That's great. Yeah. And I think it was shortly after that when they started, you know, requiring masks and all that. Because I think just back, I mean, one of my last PT appointments, like in late February, early March, you know, they started, they asked questions like, have you traveled out of the country in the last 30 days or um, anything, something like that. But it was still very, like, it was just kind of being discussed. And then, yeah, it was around early to mid-March is when things took a turn and, you know, the stay-at-home orders went out and cases were rapidly um, increasing. So, um, well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. And Deanne, you were kind of in the middle there. I think yours was in April, I believe. Mine was a couple weeks ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, yeah, two or three yeah, weeks so, ago. Yeah. So like late April, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah. So I, you know, that was already well into quarantine and everything. What precautions did you have to take and how, was it any different from previous injections? Well, the drive down to get to the injection uh, was rather quick because there was no traffic. Yeah, uh, I actually got there almost an hour early, um, and I was surprised. Uh, my driver, I do take a service a bus, like a van service to get down there. I was surprised that the driver did not wear a mask, but I did wear a mask the entire day. Um, and then when I got to the clinic, we went through a different door than usual. And they had a screening, which was just basically questions on exposure. And then um, they were very hesitant to let my caregiver come with me um, because they were only allowing one person to appointments. However, um, they called to the back and realized that they were actually there to assist me. So uh, they did allow that. And then we got a sticker that said we were screened and then we could go and do labs and then get the injection. Everybody wore masks throughout the entire hospital. No chairs in the waiting rooms. There was no waiting. They brought us right back, even though we were early. And yeah, it was kind of a ghost town, to be honest. Yeah. That's how, I mean, like, like I said, when I went to the clinic the other day, it was also very vacant. I mean, there was no, the waiting room was empty. And like you said, too, it was really weird um, going in, like, early afternoon, which is normally a pretty crowded time for traffic, out there on the main highway um, toward the hospital. And it was no traffic at all, no wait time or anything. That was when my mom and I went there. I was like, wow, this feels really weird. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So uh, the only thing that did make me slightly nervous was I have to do labs and it's on like the 12th floor. Uh -huh. So I, we do have to take the elevator. Yeah. And so when there's multiple people in the elevator, you know, they're just, everyone was in their respective corners, but it's still closer than you want to be. Um, yeah, but again, everyone was wearing masks, so that did make it a little better. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, anytime right now you're in a confined space with other people, it, it's very nerve wracking. So yeah, but 
Um, but I'm really glad it went well. And so, yeah, you're a few weeks out. Um, I, like, have you felt anything since um, that injection? Or, like, think pretty, like, because uh, I, I, like, I, I only ask that because I, I'm feeling a lot of fatigue um, leading up to my next one. I just wonder if, like, your energy levels have been any different the past few weeks. I definitely, I don't have, like, a dramatic shift. Sure. I definitely can tell that I do have more energy and stamina post-injection. Um, and then as the injection nears, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, my spinraza must be wearing off now. But, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wrote about that for my next column because it's just, I, I, I feel it more and more going. And I know that Alyssa's written about that before, of just, like, the... The pre-injection fatigue. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Deanne, for sharing. And then, Alyssa, uh, you just had yours this week. So um, was it, uh, based on what Deanne said, was it similar to that? Or were there any other precautions you had to take? Uh, just how was the overall experience compared to previous injections? Yeah, so it was a little different. Um, I had to take a COVID test Okay. the day before um to make sure that I wasn't sick, of course. Um, and the hospital was less busy. However, they started opening up again this week. So, for example, they were doing um, they were doing surgeries for patients with like high need versus low need. So there were some people there, but it wasn't too crowded. But I mean, it was still, it was still a risk being there, but um, yeah. it wasn't as busy as it normally is. Sure. Well, and going back to what Deanne said about uh, bringing a caregiver and all that, so um, so I normally just go with my mom anyway, and um, there and right now, yeah, my hospital is only allowing one person with you, um, which is fine because yeah, that's how normally it is anyway. But is was it the same for you? Like they only allow one person in, or were you able to have any additional caregivers? So both my parents went with me, and that was yeah. no problem. Um, typically, my mom comes into the OR with me yeah. in case I need to be um, repositioned right, or right. anything like that. She right. didn't this time. She had to be outside. Gotcha. But it was no problem. Gotcha, gotcha. That was really the only difference, I'd say. Okay, yeah. I was, yeah, I was curious about that, because, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I, um, when I go in, like, she doesn't really have to help with transfers, because they have enough people there, mm -hmm. but similar to when they have me go, um, lie down for an hour after the procedure, yeah, she stays there, same thing, in case I need to be repositioned or, um, have a drink or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. They let my parents in post-op as well. Yeah, yeah. Really that's, doesn't much difference. That's cool. Okay, I'm glad, yeah, glad it all went well. And the procedure went well this time? It did. It was honestly the easiest one I've had. Great, think, great. Um, typically, when they start the injection, it takes about an hour to get the needle in and all that stuff because... I have bad stoliosis. Um, this time it took, honestly, 15 minutes, and I was done. 
it was, yeah. I, I was shocked. I've had that experience too, where it's like, I mean, some have taken a little longer, but others, it's like I'm in and out. And it's like, it, I guess it just depends on the radiologist that's there and, you know, if, if they've done it um, before and they just have a knack for it. But, um, but yeah, that's really great that it went really smoothly. And yeah. Yeah. I, and usually I feel a lot of pain. I uh, felt nothing. I, I actually said to my surgeon, wait, you're done. And that's it. You're yeah. done. Like I didn't believe it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, well, that's great to hear. And, um, and, you know, everyone here, thanks for sharing. I know it's a, uh, definitely a weird time for everyone. And, you know, we're all adapting um, as best we can, both to stay-at-home life and, uh, you know, like we said, in uh, medical procedures and appointments and everything. But, um, but, yeah, thank you all for sharing your perspectives on this. Um, does anyone else have anything they wanted to add or any quarantine viewing or reading recommendations <laughs> since we're all in that boat? <laughs> I think the only thing that I would recommend from a patient standpoint is given that everything is still somewhat in lockdown mode and doctors are taking a lot more precautions is that if you're going to go in for your Spinraza injection, I would really recommend that you talk to your neurologist or your primary care physician beforehand to make sure that uh, everything is good to go. Uh, double check and make sure that you don't have to have a COVID-19 uh, checkup first. You know, make sure that you don't have to go through that test because some hospitals like the one that I use, they can get the results back within 15 minutes while some uh, medical establishments take, you know, two or three days. So I would definitely call your doctor maybe a couple of weeks before you go in and just make sure that they're not going to want you to do anything uh, beforehand. That's a great point. Um, and yeah, I've definitely been in touch with my Biogen family access manager and then my health care team as well. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. And I really want to just say that um, everyone should advocate for what they feel comfortable with. Uh -huh. I know some people are holding off on the injections because they're not comfortable going right now. And if that's what you want to do, that's okay. Talk with your doctors, make a plan, you know, and just be sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing. Yeah, I also want to add that. I, I was actually a month late for my procedure mm -hmm. and I've been seeing on social media how people are in similar boats where they have um, suspended Spinoza indefinitely. So it was, it's been a really challenging month for me and that I just have felt so weak and just not myself and it was tough but I, I had a lot of emails back and forth with my doctors about is it safer for me to go now when we're still in lockdown or when everyone is able to return to the hospital and that's when they decided it was best that I go before the rush comes back and I'm exposed to more people. So it was tough to get in because my doctors were going, 
back and forth, but yeah, I was almost weight. Yeah. My body took a whole hit. No, Alyssa, thanks for sharing that. And I know, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I've seen that as well. People just holding off indefinitely. And I, I'm never going to judge anyone for their decision. It's totally, you have to prioritize your health individually. Um, and there's a lot of factors to consider. And so I don't, you know, begrudge anyone for making that decision. But, and you have to do what's best for your health individually. But, um, but thanks for sharing that, though, that, you know, it was in terms of like, you had a little bit of a weight there, but ultimately it was worth the risks. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who need to hear that. So that's great. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation. And, you know, I'm sure we'll, um, as, since the world is, you know, pretty much permanently impacted by all this, and it'll be very different for things in the months to come, I'm sure we'll have more discussions on topics like this um, in the future. So be sure to stay tuned. And for our listeners out there, you can hear more conversations like this by subscribing to the SMA News Today podcast. You can also connect with us directly on our forums and follow our main website at smanewstoday.com for all the latest SMA news and perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.